Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. Obviously, I'm joined by Rian. Needs no introduction. But uh, we're not covering the Premier League today. That's that's the one big change for not necessarily this week, but at least this episode. And uh, we're not covering La Liga. So, yeah, what are we covering? Um, first off, we'll bring you entertainment from across Europe, so jot that down. Um, but we're really going to be focusing on the Champions League this week. So, Rian... I'm I'm so excited to talk a little Champions League, and, and of course we have a couple of questions that were sent into the pod from our our Q and A form. But um, first and foremost, it's good to see you. How you been? It's been a couple of days. What's going on? Um, I'm doing well, and I um, yesterday I went to went to the Guggenheim for the first time. Uh, it's only the second. New York museum that I think I've ever been to went to MoMA last year, but the Guggenheim was way more reading than I was expecting to do. Honestly. Wow. <laughs> thanks cool thanks for letting me know. Cause I was, I was <laughs> before we hopped on, I was like, Oh, I really want to go. I have, that's the one museum I don't think I've been to in New York. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Continue. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's, it's like, negative you walk, I mean, <laughs> walk in great. I mean, obviously, legendary architecture i think it's frank wright is the is the architect but don't do not fact check me on that um <laughs> it, you walk in and it's like and you, you're walking straight up in like circular motion and um each like little ring or slash floor has a bunch has just a lot of words but but very educational the, the exhibit was like on um the countryside and like the in terms of uh how it's changed from i think pre-industrial revolution to now pretty much um and future too because that's like some the top floor had like robots and drones and stuff so that, like that were you that are used oh, for like wow. farming that are used for oh, farming okay, okay. and all that stuff uh so really interesting really really educational honestly more more educational than i was expecting um but very cool very cool. Like my my legs hurt at the end of the day because <laughs> from because all the, upward, the it was the just standing. Walking. Yeah, it was a lot of standing. I yeah. mean, there's some collections. There are obviously there are art collections in there as well. Um, so there's like Jackson Pollock and um, I can't remember. Like a, I think Van Houser collection is another one. But um, but yeah, it was a lot. Of, it was uh very tiring on the legs because you were just standing and reading a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and it was like very cool, but uh, wow. so you, so you're so you're saying you went to a museum and now you're complaining about having to uh, do all the walking around that portion of yeah the, and the, the learning museum? and I hated the learning most of all <laughs> so let's get let's make that clear. <laughs> so you hated the the whole experience. All right, good to know that Rian hated the Guggenheim and uh, anyone from like, the Guggenheim. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting to walk in and see just beautiful art, and I saw that of course, but I also saw also had to see words and I had to read a lot. <laughs> I, I, it was a Sunday. I thought I was supposed to be not learning. Anyway, um... You can do that Monday through Friday. Now, now, yeah. <laughs> adult adult life is seven days a week of learning. Man, you clearly have not gotten up to speed with that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's fair though. I I'm but, still gonna go. Bar your yeah. negative review, I'm still gonna go and and check it out. But I don't know if I do. Well, how, how about how about yourself though? Um, you're coming to me from the last cabin on the left. <laughs> <laughs> from a cabin yeah. in the woods yeah. 
Um, people can't see this right now, but Elias is in a one in a room with only one light in it, and I, at any moment, I'm assuming that someone with a chainsaw or machete is going to oh, break. Oh, cool! Into no, that's that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, yeah, I'm I am in upstate New York at a friend's uh, friend's place, just getting away from the city for a little bit of time. Um, be here for a little bit and just enjoying the snow, the the lake that's completely frozen over. By the way, I literally walked on water yesterday, so I, I can now never have I ever that, uh, or I can't, depending on your definition. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's just been a nice little, little getaway from the city. And um, the only thing I'm worried about is honestly too much snow because there's already two and a half feet on the ground and uh, we're supposed to get another foot this entire week. So yeah, I might just be locked up here. Um, so I'll just, I'll catch you in the spring when I can get out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun week, fun week ahead. So anyway, Rian, it's uh it's been a, a nice day off since we're recording this on a Monday, President's Day Monday in the U S but Really, what we want to focus on, of course, is in Europe, like I said. So why don't we why don't we talk about our first Champions League match of the week? And that, of course, is Leipzig versus Liverpool. A team very much not in form, of course, in in the Reds and four matches lost at home over the last several weeks is not a record that Jurgen Klopp is proud of. Now, I think we all know that Jurgen Klopp himself has gone through, you know, a personal tragedy recently. And also the team has been hit by more injuries than I think I can count to. And so that needs to be a factor in this conversation. But Leipzig are still, like we saw last season, not a weak team, right? They may have lost key players and will continue to. <clears throat> Upa Meccano, <clears throat> Bayern. <laughs> anyway, besides that, they are still a very well-coached team like Rian and I believe. So, Rian, what are your thoughts heading into this tie? Um, who do you think is the favorite and who do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, for, well, I, I guess to answer those in, in, in succession, um, favorite, I think will be Liverpool going into this. Be, even with their uh, poor run of form, I, I think that their talent is still on another, le another level or higher level than Leipzig. So they're, they're going to be, I think the favorite. Um, I think so I think they'll just about edge through. But in terms of talking about, like, what I'm most looking forward to in this game is you kind of touched on it there. That, I mean, Liverpool's struggling. And most importantly, well, maybe other than the last two games, but most importantly, they're struggling for goals. Um, the defense hasn't been as big of a problem as it has been in the last couple games, you know, compared to the rest of the season. But I think the, the thing I'm most looking forward to is how Liverpool, who are misfiring, who are not finishing on the same level that they did last season, how they're able to break through this very defensively solid Leipzig team, which is you know not the first thing you would have thought about this team, especially last season, because you know, last season they had Timo Werner, and they were a bit more free-flowing, right? Whereas this season, I think with the loss of Timo Werner and the loss of Patrick Schick, too, I think is a is an important one for them. I think they have had to kind of 
chop and change up top a lot. And uh, they've been getting a lot of goal contributions from Angelino, who's who was on loan from, or is, I think, still on loan from Manchester City. But he's yep. been there the last two seasons. Um, and, and he's been fantastic. Like, Nogglesman has turned him into really an all-around great player and, and kind of a left wing back, uh, mostly a wing back more than anything. And I think we saw in that Manchester United game, um, their second game in the group stage, the last day when Leipzig and United both had to win to get through. I mean, he was he scored a great, great goal. And and a lot of that came from you know space that was created for him to attack, which is which makes it really interesting. But I think that their defense is is what I'm most impressed by for Leipzig this season. Six fewest goals conceded in Europe's top five leagues, fourth fewest expected goals against. Um, even looking between last season and this season, last season averaging about one point oh seven goals, expected goals against per game. And this season it's 0 0.88. And if you're looking at general goals, one about 1.09 last season to 0 0.86 this season. So they've been defensively really solid. And and not just really solid. They have a better defensive record than Bayern Munich this year. So they are going to be really tough to to play through for, uh, for Liverpool, especially now, like I said, is having a really hard time scoring. And sometimes so, not even just not having well, the chances, but the scoring. So. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of <laughs> So, briefly, right, my pick for this tie is Leipzig for basically the reasons that you said. But in the beginning, you chose Liverpool as your favorites to go through and the, and the team that you're picking you're going to have to justify why you just gave that whole <laughs> spiel and you're now picking Liverpool because you've given the XG stats from this season compared to last season for this Liverpool side, which I think is probably the most telling statistic for this Liverpool side right now. How do you think that they're going to overcome that over a two-leg tie with Leipzig? Uh, honestly, I guess it's more romance than anything else. <laughs> but, uh, of course, of um, course, of course. <laughs> we, don't, um, we don't do logic here. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I touted Leipzig's um, defensive ability for sure, but if you watch a lot of their games, it it is a bit of uh, they have to work hard for their goals. Like work very hard for their goals. I realize that recently Liverpool are making teams work very easily for their goals, right? But I just it's it's hard for me to see where they're where they will be able to get goals on a more consistent level than Liverpool's front three. And I guess in the end, I'm just kind of looking at the talent and just saying I think that even with the fact that you know Liverpool's non-penalty goal to expected goal difference, which was sixth best last season in Europe's top five leagues. It's fifth worst in the Premier League this season. I I realize that they're not finishing on the same level, but uh, I, I just still over two legs, I just feel like there's there's enough quality up front for Liverpool to be able to find the goals more than you know, all the great teamwork that it's going to take for Leipzig to score against Liverpool. So, and I'm no, not saying fair, this, I'm fair. not saying there's a lot of like 
look, my head is definitely saying Leipzig. <laughs> I'll say this right. I'll say that right now. But um, it's just on a pure goal scoring level. I, if this is a very low scoring uh, aggregate score over the two legs, then yeah, I, I think I love Leipzig's chances. I think if over the two legs we're talking four goals max, then I then I think that Leipzig have a better chance. But um, I think once it starts getting a bit a bit unpredictable and a bit more chaotic. I, I'm still gonna put, still gonna put Liverpool as my favorite there, and See, I guess okay, in the end well, I think it's gonna be more than the four goals. I guess, but yeah, well, that that's gonna be our point, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I foresee a situation in which this tie gets chaotic. I think this is one of the most structured ties this week in the Champions League. I think Leipzig are a side that are very much a compact, organized midfield team that like to move the ball very, very dynamically and quickly, right? But at the same time, are still still remain as one of the top defensive sides in Europe. So those the combination of those two, right, doesn't make me believe that, you know, all of a sudden that this is going to be a high-scoring side against, uh, you know, a Liverpool team that still has quality, right? It's not like Leipzig are going to go out and destroy Liverpool. Liverpool simultaneously are not going to do the same based on the fact that they haven't been able to find that scoring threat, right, through their front three. So if I'm picking the two sides, right, and I'm comparing like for like, I'm going to pick the side with the better defensive record and the better defensive line. And the one side that <laughs> I'm going to pick against the side that's been scoring so much worse than their than their previous year at this given time. So I have no reason to pick Liverpool over two legs, regardless of when those two legs actually fall. Maybe, you know, it's possible that we're having a different conversation in like four weeks or not four weeks, two, three weeks, right? When the, the March legs come around. But I highly doubt that this Liverpool side is going to do a complete 180. They could. They could. But I think you're betting on this Leipzig game being a turning point for Liverpool, right? You're, you're betting on a lot for, the, for Liverpool yeah. to, to show up. And I don't think I, – I, the history – History usually repeats itself, and and right now it is repeating itself for Liverpool and that they are not actually able to score chances. And, and I think that this Leipzig side are still so underrated. Not for you, not saying that you underrate them, but in general, I think they are an underrated side. And if you put, I would put Leipzig and Atalanta kind of in the same underdog type of category right now. So I, I'm still picking Leipzig, and I'm I'm also probably in the boat that this is a semi. Not low scoring, but I think I think four goals is probably a good a good medium or a good max over two legs. Yeah, I and just last thing before we move on is just yeah, but I, I think the only thing that's that's holding me to Liverpool again, the romantic <laughs> side, and 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 one last thing for that is just I I have a lot of belief in in the pride of this Liverpool team. Um, again, it's it's hard to see the the pathway in terms of the numbers, obviously, but but the pride of this team in the sense that they know that they cannot win the domestic league title. And this is really their last front to prove and and maybe they don't maybe they don't need to prove anything, but to prove that this team was not a flash in the pan. And and from just a sense of personal pride, um I, I think 
I think that that they'll raise their level and they and they'll look at this as a clean slate. I mean, and they wouldn't be the first team that we've seen do something like this, e.g. Real Madrid for almost not not every year of the of the three peat, but for two of the three years pretty much. Um where we've seen it. The European competition completely different. It has no bearing on what's happening in the league. So I think that's the that's the olive branch for Liverpool and and, and Liverpool's fans. So I, I still think that you're betting on a lot, and I can almost feel your heart and your head tearing your body apart right now. <laughs> I can like visibly see it, but I, it's it's a valid point, and I think the only situation this is just a personal opinion where Liverpool get through against this Leipzig side is if they score first and if they score early in in both ties. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm saying the first tie. If they if they do that, then they are they are golden because they just proved to themselves that they absolutely have the confidence and the ability to put at least one goal past this Leipzig side. Then the gates open. Well, at least from one one Merseyside team to the biggest game of the week, I think, and probably the biggest game of the round of 16, Barcelona and PSG. Now, you have to remind me, Elias, I don't believe that game is being played in either Barcelona or Paris. We we are playing in Barcelona, sir. I am, I am beyond oh, excited for this tie. Um, I mean, there's so many... There's so many narratives around this this tie. It's not even funny. I mean, the the remontada, right? The the previous ties between Barcelona and PSG, 2013, 2014. You have the now Messi to PSG rumors. This is 100% without a shadow of the doubt the tie of the round of 16. There is this is an objective standpoint. This is a tie that's going to absolutely highlight the beauty of the Champions League. And the first leg being in Barcelona, I think, benefits Barcelona um, just from a from a purely mental standpoint. It, there's nothing to do with fans, right? There are no fans or anything, but just being able to settle themselves in not at an away ground is is pretty pretty big for them. So I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous. We're recording this on Monday night, and we're also coming off the back of one of Barcelona's best performances over the weekend against Alaves, putting five past them, winning five one. We're also coming off the back of PSG losing Neymar last week to injury. And also, I would not say a PSG side that is completely clicking on all cinders despite, cylinders, despite what I think a lot of people might say. I think a lot of people would say Pochettino is, is starting to you know showcase some of the attacking flair that either Thomas Tuchel um, did not or that was not showcased at the beginning of the season. And I, I think you're maybe seeing a more dynamic PSG side. But I still think that this side, it, it, I wouldn't say lacks the creative quality in midfield, but I think, well, actually, sorry, the, I would say that they lack a little bit more creative quality in midfield, but I think they make up for that in almost speed, quite frankly, because um, okay. the way that this team progresses the ball forward is genuinely scary. Um, that That's what I'm really worried about. I'm worried about Mbappe. I'm worried about... Angel Di Maria, I'm worried about space being exploited out wide, and I am very worried about just being passed through the midfield. So 
to to honestly, I I, don't, I just don't know what's going to happen in in this first leg. I have no idea. Th- th- there's a chance that, for example, Jared PK comes back into the starting lineup, who I think would be better with no legs than he would than <laughs> you know Samuel <laughs> TT or or Clement Longley would be right now. But I, I th- this is actually one of those ties where I don't know what's going to happen, Rian. But the one thing I am looking forward to, if I'm honest, it's just watching Messi in the Champions League. I mean, it's I, I can be as cliche as possible. I, I could do a whole tactical analysis about why I think it's really interesting, you know, the the dynamic in the midfield between Frankie de Jong and whether it's Marco, uh, Marcus, oh my God, Verratti, <laughs> excuse me, um, Marco Verratti. But I, I'm just excited to see Lionel Messi play against a top side. Uh, I mean, this weekend really just reminded me about how much I'm going to miss him when he leaves Barcelona and being able to see him on these European nights, it, it's something that I will, I will always, always cherish. So I, I'm honestly just looking forward to, to seeing him play and, and just have a night, son. That's, that's all I want to <laughs> see. And I do not want to see Mbappe um, torch Sergio Dest. That's all I ask. If, if Dest does start. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Dest just came back from an injury the last, this last week. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm looking forward to, uh, this is Pochettino's first, his first Champions League campaign with me with real expectations, I should say, right? Um, as as amazing as those runs with Spurs were, right? Especially the the run to the final. Well, that well, was run not, like singular, run, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes, their their singular run to the final. Um, that I, obviously that was all just magical, right? And, and no one was expecting Spurs to, to make it that far. And e- even, even, what was it, like half an hour or an hour into their, into that second leg against Manchester City, no one would have seen their, their run to the final happening that year. But this is Pochettino's first campaign where he's going to be expected to make it to a certain level. And the expectations will have to be at least the semifinals, I would assume, right? Um, even with Neymar out for this for this first leg. Now, this looked a lot more favorable when the draw actually happened at the beginning of December compared when, when looking at these two teams. Um, but like you said, Barcelona have found have found a little something this last the last month, the last two months, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they found something, and and they look like a team that is more ready than they were t- three months ago to make a run in 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 a uh, cup competition, especially like this one. And look, they they're gonna they're having a luxury that Leipzig are not having with Liverpool, where Barcelona are gonna actually get to play at <laughs> their home stadium for the first leg, whereas Leipzig. And Liverpool are playing at a neutral venue in Hungary for their first leg. So, I mean, we know there's no fans, and, and obviously that's diminished the home advantage. But still, Barcelona are at are at home. PSG players, I saw a video just about an hour ago, fireworks being shot off in front of their uh, hotel. So, like, there there's a... There's, that's still home advantage in some sense, right? But, yeah, we pull out um, all the stops. <laughs> but yeah, the, I, I think I'm, I think I'm most looking forward to Mauricio Pochettino's first 
real pressure filled Champions League campaign. And 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 this is not going to be one that to greatly judge him off of again because he came into the season uh or came in midway through the season. Uh but uh, that that will be interesting. The the discourse around Mauricio Pochettino now that the expectations in the Champions League are going to be much higher than it was at Spurs. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, the one the one thing that's interesting about this, right, is because the the counter narrative to that is that this team is virtually no different than last year's team that went to the final, right? So, in theory, right, if you've let go of a coach that you believe was not getting the job done to bring in a coach that you believe should get the job done, then isn't it kind of saying that it is an expected Champions League run-esque season, right? Inherently, you're indirectly indirectly saying that as um, Al-Khalifi, right, if you're in his position. So I- I'm very interested to see how Mauricio Pochettino comes out tomorrow uh, for this tie. I don't think there will be any surprises with the PSG lineup. I don't think there should be. I'm also very curious to see how Ronald Koeman lines up even more so because I don't think there's a set gala 11, if you will. And I think the front three is pretty set in Griezmann, Messi, and Dembele. I don't know what the rest of the team looks like. And I honestly don't know if Koeman knows the answer. Well, (laughs) right now he might know the answer, but (laughs) maybe two days ago he did not. So I'm I'm very excited for this tie. I'm just, I'm reserved. I'm just reserved because I'm too nervous. Um, There's a, there's a lot riding on it. So Rian, I think we should maybe take a break before I go vomit <laughs> thinking more about this tie. Um, we, we can come back and talk a little Sevilla, Dortmund, and, and of course, Porto, Juventus for, for this week's Champions League matches. All right, Rian, I'm, I'm no longer nauseous from the, uh, from the previous discussion, of course. Um, but let's talk a little Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund. Let's, let's kick it off just starting, you know, I guess with the obvious. Um, Dortmund will be getting a new coach, um, not for this tie, next season. But they still are looking like a side that's slowly improving. I don't know if I could say the same about Sevilla. I guess... Probably the same, just given the fact that they're they're really on unbeaten run right now. Their last some, I think it's six or seven games they have won. Um, it, it's well, honestly, it's really impressive. Um, I don't think they've lost since Real Betis. I think in, when they played in early January. Um, of course, they beat Barcelona twice too in that time span. So it's not like they've had a cakewalk or anything like that. I'm, 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 I'm or sorry, not not twice. They beat us once <laughs> in the Copa del Rey semifinal, um, like a week ago. So, Rian, thoughts on this tie? Because I think this is a very, very tough matchup to decide. Yeah, I think I think on paper it looks pretty tough. I, I mean, they look like two closely matched teams, but uh, as someone who has been trying to watch uh, not every Dortmund game, but but been trying to watch Dortmund a bit more the last few weeks, uh, especially with since they've fired Lucien Favre. Uh, they are just not fun to watch. I think I said this over Twitter. They are 
really tough to watch, honestly. Um, I think Jaden Sancho has been playing much better since the beginning of uh, the second round of games for, for the Bundesliga. He had a really tough first half of the season, but um, he's been playing well recently. He like he doubled his like assist count in the last yeah. weeks, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so he's he's getting back into form, and that's great to see from him. Erling Holland still an, a cyborg, like nothing has changed all season. He has been just human levels of finishing, but it's the rest of the team where it's. I don't trust this team at all defensively still, um, and it's kind of. Still the same thing that I same concerns that I had about them, I think, um, earlier in the year where, you know, a, a team that is so reliant on players who are 22 and under, it's, it's hard. I think it's really hard to rely on the, on, on, um, players of that age and that early in their development and don't all develop at the same level, obviously. And, and you look at Jin Sancho's case where. If he was six years, six or seven years older, that transfer saga with Manchester United may not have affected him as as much as it so obviously did in the first half of the season for Dortmund. So I think on paper, Sevilla, I, 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 they should get through. I think they should make it through this tie. I'm not, not going to say easily necessarily, but, but I think they're the more informed team. They're the more, I think confident team for sure and they're the team that has been more consistent throughout the season uh one loss in all competitions since december 5th nine straight wins in all competitions the second best defensive record in la liga fifth best defensive record in uh europe's big five leagues and they right now have a better coach for sure as dorman are are on an interim coach um i believe his last name is tezrich and it's just, I think they're better equipped to make it through the knockout rounds of a European tournament, as they've shown, as they showed six times in the last decade. I think that they should make it through this tie I, relatively comfortably, not, not, not easily, but I think, that, I think that they should make it through this tie. So I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think Sevilla are the favorites in this tie, but I think it's a little harder than what paper might show. Uh, I think that you ha- you can't just write off a combination of Gio Reyna, Jaden Sancho, and Erling Holland over two legs. You just you can't. I don't really care how poorly the team is performing. But again, that said, the reason why I'm also selecting Sevilla is because they're such a strong, cohesive team. It's unbelievable how well-coached Lopetegui has this has a team playing right now. And for me, one of the things, I mean, I just want to highlight Kunde for a second, right? I think a player that... Oh, my goodness. Just, yeah. He, he's, the he's goal he scored against Barcelona. Ha, 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 yes, hysterical, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not even to, <laughs> not even to. I, teams, I know, but... I know, I know. It was, it was kind of absurd. Um, I, I highlight him not because he did that against Barcelona, although that's part of his skill set. Quite literally, it's part of his, I don't really know what to call his attacking skill set, I guess. Um, 
But the fact that he's also such a strong defender and his ability to track runs, right, especially your Erling Hollands of the world, that makes him such a key asset in this tie. So I'm watching Kunde, especially to, you know, over two legs. And I'm also watching El Nasiri. El Nasiri's overall, I think, had a pretty good season, especially now that Lucas Acampos is out for a few weeks with a sprained ankle. I think you're going to have to watch El Nasiri for what he does in this tie. If he is able to get in behind a very poor Dortmund defense, I think you're looking at a pretty, pretty high-scoring game for Sevilla. And and it, it may not be close after the first leg if, if he gets in behind more often than not. Um, combine that with the fact that now they can bring on Papu Gomez and Luke de Jong at any given time. Um, that, that's pretty lethal. I don't know if people understand that. It's pretty freaking lethal. So I honestly think that Sevilla will get through. I think it'll be harder in reality. But I think that Sevilla have a genuine chance to run rampant over, over Dortmund. Yeah. And and just touching on Enesiri, one of the best strikers in Spain this season. Third in goals, third in non-penalty expected goals, fourth in non-penalty expected goals per shot. So he's getting some high quality shots when he is when he is um, getting them off. And he's first in, for forwards in Spain in shortest average distance per shot. So that's so he's are, are you saying he's a, he's, a, a good, he's a poacher or poacher, a cherry picker of course no no i would never say cherry picker that has bad connotations <laughs> but 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 a poacher in the purest sense of the word fair enough fair enough yeah he he has been absolutely on fire and i think with the like i said the added responsibility now that lucas acampos is out i mean you're handing the keys to him basically you're saying lead this team um, I just think that the fact that Papu Gomez and Luke de Jong are on this team. Oh, just yeah, I didn't, add... even, I didn't even mention Papu Gomez. I know. I'm surprised you did. Like, I, I, I don't know how you lose firepower in this team now. It makes yeah. sense why they beat Barcelona 2-0. It, it makes sense why they've gone on a run of seven games basically unbeaten. It, it's th- This team is so strong, and I really don't think that people should take Sevilla lightly. Agreed. Well, right. Rian, you want to uh, you want to shift focus to a team that really, honestly, hasn't performed that well this season in uh, Juventus, and of course, our main man Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> yeah, see, let's move on to Porto and Juventus tie. Two teams who are, by their own standards, I think, underachieving this season. Or Porto second in in the Portuguese league, sitting seven points off of first place, and Juventus sitting in fourth place this season, eight points off of first place Inter Milan with a game in hand, it should be should be said. The I think we touched on the um we talked about this Serie A title race a couple of weeks ago and how that's in general that's that's probably the most entertaining one left. That and the French league are the two most entertaining ones left in, in Europe's big five leagues. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this Ellie. I th- I think the I'm I'm really looking forward to Andrea Pirlo in a s- similar sense as I did to uh, as I was looking forward to um, Mauricio Pochettino in terms of the first big test for him as the Juve coach. Um, I think that he will be given somewhat similar to um, Frank Lampard, and and I know that's kind of weird to say now because he was only in the job for about a year and a half, but I think that. Even if Juventus do not win the league this year, and 
let's say they, they finish seven to eight points off of first place. I think that it is a transition year in Juventus. Um, and I think that the expectations are, are not as cutthroat for Andrea Pirlo, at least in this first season. So I think this will be great in general for looking at Juventus in terms of this Champions League campaign because we're going to expect them to make it through Porto, obviously. like that, They are easily the favorite there. But um, he's done some interesting stuff. Like the interesting stuff where he's playing more four four two, and playing Weston McKennie in this in this really kind of fun hybrid winger slash like when they have the ball, he's kind of more of a supporting striker almost in in a lot of moves. You know, I I think that it'll be just really interesting to see what Pirlo tries to do tactically because he has not always thrown out the same formations and even likes changing up the midfield a lot in, at Juventus. So it'll be fun. Um, obviously always going to look forward to Weston McKenney playing Weston McKenney in his first Champions League knockout stages um, and who talked about before has become such a pivotal player for Juventus and, and a player that, Andre Pirlo genuinely trusts too. So a lot of interesting stuff here. And and of course, I mean Ronaldo. Like I mean the man the man who owns this this uh competition, like this is his this is his baby. The that that big ear trophy is his baby. So like, you know that he'll always be ready to go to play in these games. So yeah, that that's that's the least of my worries. But I think that Juventus have a larger problem, and it has nothing to do, I think, with the players. It's more more so to do with Pirlo, honestly. It's just basically the fact that he doesn't have either a preferred lineup or preferred setup yet. And I understand that's part of tweaking a new te- team, and if you're expected or you're expecting to be around for you know a good chunk of your managerial career around Juventus you kind of need to develop your your perf, you know perfect system but Juve are on the taking time bomb you know they they don't have Cristiano Ronaldo around for that much longer it's not like yeah. you know they can wait out the years where they can uh, you know not win champions leagues this is a it's the competition needs. yeah that they brought him exactly. in for right exactly and they need immediate success and my fear with all those changes is that like with any team or with any manager making that many stylistic formational tactical changes leads to not only confusion but a lack of consistency and i think consistency in this competition is basically the most important thing right that's what that's what wins you the competition and so it it kind of has shown and i'm not just making it up it's kind of shown over a larger sample size in the league right now in syria right Juve are in fourth they are not performing well over the course of several games. They are not consistent. I'm not saying that they're not going to make it past Porto. I think they, they have the stronger team and, and over two legs, I would favor them highly as well. But at the same time, I worry about their long-term prospects in the competition. So the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is simply how Pirlo sets up. I, I don't I don't know if there, there's an answer. I obviously think it will be a 4-4-2 just based on recent form. I don't know if that lineup will be the same as I think their last three games or so. But at the same time, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. It, it's just a little up in the air. I guess we, we'll only find out, and I'm always going to cross my fingers that uh, Weston starts. And <laughs> I think I think your say. dreams there will come true. Yeah, I, that yeah. again is not my biggest uh, <laughs> my biggest worry, but but yes. And I think that with both of us concluding that Juve are the favorites, I think that wraps up the uh, the Champions League portion of the podcast, and we'll hop right back after this break, bring a little bit of Q and A to you guys, and we'll wrap up from there. All right, Rian, last portion of the pod, a little Q&A. What's up? Let's let's talk about these questions that we got from the uh the form we sent out to our our lovely followers. So, first, first question, I'm not going to steal it from you. Go ahead. All right. First of first of our two two questions here. First one who are the best outside backs remaining in the Champions League? I, I really start. I really like, like this question. I think this is a really, really good question, and I, I gave I gave my answer just kind of on a, to Rian because it was the two names that really stuck out to me. But I think the obvious answers are Alfonso Davies and Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier, of course, we can start with has been the most integral part of this Atletico Madrid side. I think he has fine-tuned exactly what it means to attack in a progressive system with, with Atleti as they move forward and progress the ball very quickly now and dynamically um, with, with kind of a, a well-engined midfield. He's providing crosses that are, are leading to genuine chances for players like Suarez, Jao Felix, and Marcus, Jao Felix and Marcus Lorente. And I think that he makes this side so much better than compared to when he is not on this side. So Kieran Trippier is number one. Alfonso Davies, although he is not on form, right? He is just starting to get back into form. When he is in this competition against top sides, he has a tendency to perform. And that especially against, I mean, they're up against Lazio, right? In, in the round of 16. So it's not like we're expecting them to get knocked out. But Alfonso Davies running up and down the field with the tank that he is that he has in his lungs is pretty impressive. And also let's not discount the fact that he can get by most fullbacks pretty quickly up the field. So I think he is just so lethal and at the age that he is at, it's hard to not rate him so highly. And I think <laughs> I think Rian may have one I, I don't know his answer, but I'm guessing that he's gonna have one of the two that I put out there as similar. But I think he will probably question the fact that I don't have someone like, right, your Andrew Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold of the world or even Jesus Navas in there. I, <laughs> I am not including any of them. just don't think they've been up to snuff in comparison. So, I love the Jesus Navas. <laughs> I love the Jesus Navas shout. <laughs> the man has reinvented himself. Um, but, yes, I had Trippier as one of mine, so, so I won't touch too much on him. Like you said, he's one of the best. One of if not the most important playmakers on Atletico Madrid. And um, I think it's still to be seen whether he will start the first leg um, against Chelsea. But my two outside backs, Joao Cancelo. Joao Cancelo has been arguably the the best fullback in the league in, in England. And he's got to be up there, I think, in the top 
five in the league in Europe. Um, just because of his dynamism. No, he's he's basically a center mid that play, that he's turned into a center mid. He he's a left Pep, mid. Yes. Yeah, like Pep Guardiola talked about it. I think uh, last week, and he, and he said, talking about Draw Cancelo, he was just like, they're asking like, what did you see in him? What to make him kind of um, work in this position where he's doing that kind of inverted wing back thing that we saw at um, that we saw David Alaba do at Bayern Munich while Pep was there. Draw Cancelo. He was saying that he just, I saw the qualities of a different type of player and I played it and, and pretty much that's why I played him there. Um, and then he's been fantastic. So, so draw Cancelo has to be in there with the shout. And then of course, I know that they, that the, it's been a struggle for them, <laughs> especially lately, but Andrew Robertson has been, I think Liverpool's best player this season. I think he's been the biggest shining star that they have this season in terms of his consistency whereas i wouldn't throw trent alexander arnold right now I, he just he has not been consistent enough this season but i think andrew robertson has so those are my two my my two uh or technically three but you took one of them so draw cancelo <laughs> and uh and fair andrew enough. robertson are my are my two best outside backs that are remaining yeah fair enough fair enough i think you're putting maybe a little bit too much emphasis on andrew robertson having a consistent season because he has been i don't want to say in and out of the lineup they they had to get someone to to really replace him when he's tired because barely know, like barely only a couple games really yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah played a lot no he he has but i think the one thing that's made andrew robertson not look as i would say crisp as he did in prior seasons is the fact that well yeah liverpool's attacking three and just in general they're attacking xg has not been nearly what it is so that that inherently will look your fullbacks make them look worse so yeah it's it's a fair shout i think and so we do the second of two elias if you were a betting man well technically the question is if we were betting men what team do you think is the best dark horse Best value bet to take home the Champions League this season. So, Rion read me this question, full disclosure, right before we started. And I I said to Rion, I think, I think you're going to hate my answer. Um, and it's not going to be Chelsea. That's not why you're going to hate my answer. And it's not going to be... I, I would have hated you before, for saying uh, that, yes. You're I know, I know. I know you would have. <laughs> but it's not. It's not going to be Chelsea. It's not also going to be Atletico Madrid. It's not going to be Bayern because I don't think they're dark horses. It's not going to be Liverpool because I don't consider them a team that is most likely to win this competition. Um, and I chose them to, to well, get knocked down the round of 16. So that would go against everything I've decided. Rian, my team in dark horse to win the Champions League this season is Football Club Barcelona. My team is a dark horse in this, in this <laughs> oh, competition. Yeah. Always the darkest of horses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whoever bets on them. Well, well, would you? I, I don't think there's anyone this season, in... no, you're right. Exactly, exactly. There's no one, I think, on earth that's saying Barcelona are absolute favorites to win the Champions League. They've gone through absolute turmoil over the summer. They have had historic and just completely humiliating losses over the last couple of years, well, the last three years. It's sad. There is no reason why this team should be close to Champions League glory. But yet, somehow, somewhere, this team has developed 
a mental fortitude that they did not have in years prior. We saw it against Granada. We saw it in prior games last month where this team steps up in the face of adversity. And I would like to see that in the Champions League. And if I see it against PSG, I'm convinced that this team is a dark horse. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but dark, dark horse means you have an outside shot. Let's, let's be honest. But, but they are absolutely my dark horse to win the Champions League. And of course, having Messi doesn't hurt. Wow, well, at least he really went out on a limb there. I'm very proud of you. Um, for me, my dark horse, kind of touched touch on them earlier already. I'm going to say Sevilla is my dark horse. Their experience in these types of comp- in these types of competitions, they've got the coach to do it. I think they've got the players. I think that they're going to, I think even if they do not win it, I think that they will produce the the one moment every year in the Champions League where a big team shock loses the game by let's say three to one or three to nil, whatever it is. And sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But it's always a team that we don't see it coming from, and it's always a surprise. And I think Sevilla will spring that surprise this year. I, in all honesty, if I had to pick like a a real real dark horse, right, then it would be Sevilla. I think that's completely fair. They are the arguably a top three, if not one of the best coach sides in Europe. I think that they also have the same quality of players. Maybe same is a little generous, but I think that they they have a very high caliber team that's that's able to compete with the depth that they have. And I think that's almost as good as having the top, most top technical players. So, yes, and it's, they know how to play to in this in this in these oh, yeah. types of competitions oh, yeah. too. That's that's one of the biggest things too. In is where it is genuinely a different style of play in European competitions. And Sevilla and Sevilla are just a great setup for that playing style. And um, and yeah, I think I think that'll put them in a really good position to to cause a major shock. I think that's completely, completely fair. The only thing that they might have to do is get UEFA to rebrand all the signing around the stadiums they play in as Europa League. So they really yeah. think that it's yeah. We have to sneak on a Europa League ball, probably. Yeah, too. yeah, so. yeah. It's it's Deflate Gate, but make it Europa League. <laughs> yeah, we're just painting all the balls in the stadium the exact replica as the Europa League one as we're throwing them back in. So basically, that'll work for them. Then they're guaranteed champions. So. Anyway, Rian, I think that wraps up the uh, the Q and A portion of the pod, and of course the uh, the pod as a whole. So, thank you guys as always for listening. Catch me nervously biting my nails throughout the majority of tomorrow or Tuesday, and uh, we'll be back very very soon. Take care, everyone. Shout out to Fulham and our friend Alex and Josh Maja. Congrats <laughs> to Fulham. I, I I that had to throw it in because they've deserved it. That's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.